loving God, we thank you for the chance to be together with your people in this place. And we pray that you would fill Arthur with your spirit as he speaks, and that you would open our ears to hear you, our eyes to see you, and our hearts to receive you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, Arthur. Good morning, Dave. It's nice um, to be here with you. And I wanted to start with a little bit of a song. So you need to, if you're not familiar with the song, I'll say a little bit after, but, but just pay attention to the words. I'm not going to play the whole thing, and uh, hopefully this will, I'm not a technical person, hopefully this will work. Let's see. heard this song before. I'm sure many of you have. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to play this song, this song um, by Ariana Grande. Thank you, next. Um, I was telling Dave, you know, I'd written this entire sermon, and then when I laid down to go to sleep last night, I thought, that song, I need to play that song, because it fits so perfectly. It's actually like a microcosm of what, what this entire sermon is about. Now, if you don't know, um, this song came out, it was in November of last year. Um, and unlike most, most uh, songs that get released you know, to the radio and things, usually they, you know, they tell in advance when songs are going to come out and the release date and so kind of build up interest. And then when it releases, then, you know, this song came out with almost, uh, almost no, um, they didn't say anything about it in advance. She just released it, essentially. And on the, the first day the song was released, um, the song was downloaded, so it was streamed, downloaded over 8 million times on the first day. Uh, and, and subsequently, more and more and more. Do you have a question, Lindy? Yes, I'm so sorry, but I couldn't hear the words of the song. Okay, I'll tell you what the song's about, yeah. Um, and, um, and then it's, it stayed in the top 100, even to now. This came out in November, it's still in the top 100. And I think the reason is, be okay, obviously it's like very catchy and poppy and, and uh, well-produced. But I think the words of the song, um, so if you know the words of the song, you know this, otherwise I'll say what they mean, I think really strike a nerve, and they really actually speak a little bit of a truth that, that I'm going to talk about this morning, because what this song essentially is about, so for Lindy and others, <laughs> is um, basically what she's doing is she's thanking all of these previous um, boyfriends and relationships that she's had. So she kind of names the different people and different things that they contributed to her life and to who she is now. Okay, that's an extreme summation of the song, but that's the point. Um, 
So thank you, and then next. You know, it's kind of that I'm thanking you, and now I'm moving, moving forward. And, um, and what I like about this, and, and I'll say more about it um, as we go on, is it, it actually captures something that I think we don't do very well, and it's handling, handling loss and losses in our life, and which is what our topic, as, as Dave mentioned, is going to be this morning. And I'll come back to, to the, the song in a little bit. Um, but as, as, as Dave said, we know we're going through this series, um, which we're calling Prepare to Die So You Can Live. And it's this idea of wrestling with issues around life and death, and things that face all of us, uh, you know, in, the, in this season that we are particularly mindful of Jesus' death, we are thinking about our own lives and mortality and things like this. And so we're going through these various topics. Um, often things that we face, but we seldom think about or talk about um, with, with each other. We thought, well, let's talk about those things here. So last week, Dave talked about grief. And particularly grief uh, we experience with major losses like death. Okay, so that's what last week's um, sermon was, I would really recommend you listen to it. If you haven't already, um, the podcast is on the church's Facebook page. And, um, and so this morning, kind of following on from that, we're talking about, you know, I hesitate to, I, if you're listening to this, you won't know that I'm doing inverted commas, but like the little, little losses in life. So losses other than death, because actually we, there are a lot of other kinds of loss that we experience besides just that, that one big kind of obvious one. Um, things that we don't always notice, or if we're aware of them, we don't really know how to deal with. Uh, they're actually quite common. I think that's sort of obvious. And so I guess the, what I want us to hear this morning, and, I, and then I'll talk about it, is that it's really important that we mark the losses in our lives. It's really important that we mark the losses in our lives in order to live more and full and healthy ways, and, and I'll explain why that is. But I wanted to um, kind of put us into scripture, and so I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 12. So if you've got one of these, these ones, it's on page 76. It's right there kind of near the beginning. Um, I'm going to read through a whole bunch of this chapter, but I'm, not going to, I'm going to read parts and then kind of skip ahead a little bit. But if you want to follow along, it's... Exodus chapter 12, um, verses kind of 1 through 28, so through, through that part of the chapter. Now, just to give a little bit of context in what's happening, um, you may be familiar with these, these stories of um, God's people being in Egypt as slaves. And then along comes this guy Moses um, to kind of lead them out of slavery and the pharaoh, the king at the time, didn't want to let them go. And so these plagues kept coming to kind of say bad things are going to happen if you don't let these people go. And um, so kind of where we pick up the story is it's getting to the end of that process. So these different slave, uh, plagues have happened. And now God kind of gives us final instruction of what's going to happen next and, and what the people must do. So I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. 
And then he goes on and says, basically, if your family's too small, you know, you can share with your neighbor. But, but essentially, you need to get a lamb for your family. Uh, and he kind of describes what they need to look like, right? And I'm going to skip ahead now to um, verse 6. So take care of them until the 14th day of the month with all the members of the community of Israel, and then they must slaughter them at twilight. And then they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. So, and... Um, that same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs, herbs and bread made without yeast. And then it kind of goes on to describe how they need to cook it and, and that they need to eat every bit of it and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then in verse 11, this is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So it's this idea of like, eat the whole thing up and, and baby, you're dressed and kind of ready to go. That's this picture, right? Um, and then he says, on the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. And then the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Okay, so maybe you're familiar with this story of the, of, the, of the Passover, the Passover, where God passed over the houses of these people who had this sign over their doors. And he says, this is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. And then he goes on to describe, you know, for seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. You know, it's got this whole di- idea of like, because you're supposed to be doing things in haste. We don't have time for yeast to rise the bread. So you're making bread that doesn't have yeast. And so it's kind of this symbol of that. Um, and you take it out. And then, you, and then on the first day, you have a sacred assembly on an, and another one on the seventh day. And don't do any work during these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. Which sounds pretty nice. Um, that is all you may do. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread because it was on this very day that I brought your division out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. And then he talks about what they're meant to eat and the yeast and all this stuff. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, and then he basically says, this, now we need to do these things that God has instructed, right? Um, which they do, and then um, I'll just jump ahead to verse 24. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. And when you enter the land that the Lord has given you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And then the people bowed down and worshiped. The the Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And then in the next verses, it talks about how God then came on this night and, and killed all these people, except for the people that had this sign and how they escaped. That's the rest of the book of Exodus. So I'll relate all that now. Um, but here we read this story. It, it's interesting because it's like a story of what happened, but it's also the instructions of what to do you know, as it happens. And essentially, God gives them this, this instruction to reenact this very event every year. Reenact what happened right here. And what I want us to see this morning is that 
although the end result, you know, was positive for these people, right? It was kind of like they got and left Egypt and got to the freedom and stuff. Although the end result was positive, what is remembered is this difficulty, this moment in time, this actually a terrible moment when all these people were killed. That's what God says, remember this moment right here. See, most of our lives and our world, we remember positive things. We celebrate good things, obviously. Um, you know, weddings and anniversaries, promotions, graduations, victories and wins. Like, those are the kinds of things, birthdays, right? We did birthdays this morning, that we like to celebrate. But what about loss? This is what's interesting to me. We all experience a number of losses in life. Um, maybe a friendship that we, we just kind of dawns on us one day that this friendship has sort of drifted. You know, we used to see somebody all the time and we, we don't see them anymore. And what, what happened there? Or maybe there was a specific thing that caused disruption. Um, we have losses in our health. When, as we get older, it takes us longer to heal. We get ill more often. We have, we have injuries that stay with us, you know, <laughs> that never quite get over those things. And, and other declines in our health. Or we experience loss related to our work. Sometimes we lose a job or we get demoted or, or moved across or retrenched. Sometimes we experience the loss of moving. You know, a place that we live and we have friends and we, our life is and we, we leave that thing to somewhere else. Or financial setbacks. Or, or some people talk about the idea of a, the death of a dream. Something that we, we long for, we hope for, we think we're moving toward and then we realize that that thing isn't going to happen. And the, and the feeling of loss that we have and that hope is, I, I've lost this hope in that particular thing. Uh, and sometimes... We experience these along with others. So the people that are very close to us are maybe going through these things, and we kind of are next to them, and so we, in a sense, are part of the journey for them. And then, of course, there's tragedies bigger than, you know, our own lives, in our world. Uh, you know, massacres and genocides and catastrophes and, you know, these kinds of things that, that have effect on us. We don't die, it's, but, but there is a loss. There's a loss of something that happens there. I was thinking that it, it's seldom that we, we've had someone who's helped us think through how to deal with these things. We all go through them, but we don't, we just, what do we do? We don't know. We, how to mark them and how to make it through them. And often we feel like we're alone. So even if I'm going through the same thing maybe as, as Dave, each of us feel quite alone in, in this loss. There's something about the nature of loss that makes us feel isolated and alone or can and when we see someone else experiencing, we don't, we don't often know what to do or how to help them. You know, we... So there are a lot of reasons why we often don't give much attention to these things. Um, they're difficult, obviously, or overwhelming or confusing. But I think there's something very valuable in paying attention. And, and it's, it's not only helpful to learn, but also to help... Um, for us to not carry all of the negative effects of something with us to the same degree ongoing. And I'll talk about that just now. But, so what I want to do is kind of essentially give like four, four ideas of, 
or throw things that can be helpful when dealing with these kinds of loss that we're talking about. Um, how to mark them and either when they happen or sometimes it's like when, the, when we get over the initial big feel of it or the shock of it and we have enough of our senses about us to now kind of be intentional. So sometimes it's not as it's happening, it's just after the fact we can, okay, things calm down enough to, to do something about it. But um, kind of four things that we can do. Um, they're somewhat sequential, but like, like Dave talked about with, with the stages of grief last week, it's not always that it's like one, two, three, four. You know, you do this and then this and then this. You just, we do them and there's some order, but we just do these different things. It'll make sense when I say them. Um, so the first one, now Dave did a whole sermon on this last week, but it's worth mentioning now because it's actually such a critical part of the process, not only with death, but in any of these kinds of losses that we're talking about. Um, the first thing to mention when we deal with loss is to grieve. And we all grieve differently, I think, you know, based on our personality and our culture and our background and, and how long people grieve looks very different. Um, and sometimes things sneak up on us and sometimes we know that it's going to happen, you know. Um, so we, we can sort of be intentional about grieving, but sometimes we just find ourselves grieving is what I mean. And it's absolutely essential. It's so important not to just move on past things, but to actually pay attention to how we feel <clears throat> when we're experiencing some sort of loss like we're talking about. And, and as Dave mentioned, I'm just flying through this part because there was a whole sermon on it last week, but um, uh, the, Bible is, the Bible is full of grieving. It's full of it, you know, and there's all these psalms of lament and other examples, songs, prayers. Uh, Jesus grieved. God grieved. God grieves. Uh, we, as God's image bearers, are meant to grieve. It's, it's like part of how we're meant to operate, I guess is what I want to say. Um, and, and sometimes, and I, I just mentioned this here, although it kind of applies to these other ones as well, is... Uh, sometimes our role is to be alongside someone else who is grieving. Um, and really, I won't say a lot about this, but it, it's the idea of, of empathy or, you know, being alongside someone and listening and being available and letting them go through their process and us kind of walking next to them is the picture I like to use. Um, walking next to them. It's not necessarily what we say or what we do. In fact, those might be very unimportant. It's just the fact that we're there. The fact that we're there. So, um, it's an important role. So anyway, these are, that's a little bit about grief. Again, last week, lots more about grief. Um, I want to talk more about these other things that I think are also important when we're dealing with loss. Um, so the second thing I would suggest is important is to uh, name the loss, I guess is what I wanna, how I want to call it. Um, that we're experiencing. And by that I mean to acknowledge that it is a thing. To say this is something that's happened or is happening. Making note. And I think it's really important to do something um, concrete, if you will, or specific. I, I find this actually the one that's maybe most odd for people, but as I explain it, it, it'll be like, okay, that. Hopefully it'll make sense. <laughs> so in this Exodus story that we read, 
God actually tells them several different things to do, right? So he gives them these rituals to perform. He tells them the specific clothes to wear. He tells them what kind of food to eat and how to prepare it. He tells them, tell this story. It's, it's almost like, here, do this, do this, do this, to make note, to mark this thing that is happening. Um, so in, in a sense, we would use the word like make a ritual. That's maybe one way to define it. Now for us, it might look different. You know, if I'm, if I'm realize that I've um, experiencing some kind of loss in a, a relationship, perhaps, um, well, I would probably personally do something like maybe journal about it. You know, put, put well, pen to paper, although I don't know if many of us put pen to paper anymore, but put fingers to keyboards or, or whatever the case may be. But, but it's, it's, it's the something about taking it and writing it out, you know, that makes it a, a physical thing, that's noting the thing that's going on in our heart or in our mind. That's helpful for some people. For other people, maybe it's more of having a photo. I think images so often can capture a, a, a thing whether it's positive or negative, right? Um, or I like this idea of, I, I saying earlier, I like to do this, you know, in the Bible it talks a lot about making altars, you know, like remember that this thing happened in this place, or I guess like for us it would be a monument, you know, you put a thing somewhere and everyone knows, oh, that, we remember that that thing happened here or that person did this thing. Um, it could just be, you know, making a little something, just a little something that reminds us of that thing that happened. Um, now, it could be the physical act of getting rid of. So I mentioned this earlier, I mean, in the service earlier, is like, um, you know, there's that moment, I don't know if any of you've had this, where you, you're going through your contacts in your phone or your, and you realize that person isn't there anymore, and you, you take them out of your contacts. Like, it's a very, like, I don't, I don't, I, ha, I don't do this very much. <laughs> I realize in preparing the sermon that, like, there's something about that, the finality of taking someone out of the context that I'd rather just leave them there and ignore the fact that, but that I, I realize in, in preparing this that there's something about the act of just taking them out reminds me that they're gone, and it's hard. So it's, it's, a, it's a really hard way of doing that. Um, on the other hand, we can keep something. So maybe you take a piece now, I'm not advocating anything illegal, but sometimes you, you take a piece from somewhere or something that reminds you of that thing. Um, I have a friend that knows I'm going to visit in America, and he asked me to bring back a little bit of sand from the Pacific Ocean. Very specific, you know. And of course, I could bring sand from anywhere. He wouldn't know where it was from. But, but in a sense, he wants a, like a, a physical reminder of that thing. And so sometimes we keep, um, you know, old letters or or, you know, those kinds of things that just remind us. Even if it's something that's not positive, it's, it's still a memory that we want to hang on to, if you will. So sometimes it's getting rid of things, sometimes it's hanging on to things, but it's a thing. Or perhaps it's, now we're gonna move in a couple months, um, you know, and, the, and, and I've done this before, I think, you know, saying, almost saying goodbye, like literally saying goodbye to your house which sounds kind of maybe silly, I don't know, but, but you know, in, in that you, you're saying goodbye to all the memories that took place there, positive and negative, and you, you just, I mean, obviously it's, it's a house, it's not gonna hear you, but it's for you to say goodbye to that thing. Um, 
So, so you know, it's, 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 it's the physicalness of things that I think can be quite helpful to take things from the abstract and make them make a physical thing of it. Um, and it allows us to see that, that, that this thing that I'm experiencing, this friendship that I've lost, this, this job, this opportunity, it's, it's connected to me, but it's not me. That's why having something that's physical and concrete that we can say, I, I see you, you, you are a thing, but I'm not, you are not me, I am not you. And I think that's a really helpful part of the process for most of us. Uh, so the next, and the next one, let me, is, is uh, and this might be surprising, but it kind of ties into the song in the beginning. Um, a step in this process is to celebrate. Which seems kind of the most odd, really, if you think about celebrating a loss. Uh, I mean, I follow sports. I play sports, but I don't celebrate losses very well. <laughs> anyway, um, and, I, and I don't mean celebrate to make lighter or to trivialize something. That's not it. It's actually make something significant, if you will. Um, and so in the song that I, I played earlier, you know, she's, she's thanking these people that have moved out of her life for good and bad reasons. Um, but she can still celebrate that moment and what they contributed. That's, that's kind of the words of that particular song. Um, or maybe some of you, this is where I, maybe some of you are familiar with um, Marie Kondo. Do any of you know who that is? A few of you? Wife? Yes. Um, so this is a woman who uh, has actually become very famous and done quite well. Uh, I'm just going to give an extreme little summation. So there's a lot more to this person than what I'm going to say now. But, but essentially, she helps people um, declutter. And, and, but it has developed an entire process to do this, a, a very specific way of doing it, and wrote a book about it, and has a Netflix series, and, 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 like, um, and a lot of people find her and her work to be very helpful for them. Um, and, and, and some of the things are kind of like, they make sense, and some of them are different than maybe you or I might think about doing things. Um, she has very specific ways of, you know, folding clothes to put them away and, and, and processes for decluttering that are maybe different than we're experienced with. But one of the things that she does is when, when getting rid of, I'm giving a small version of a long thing, is when getting rid of an, an object is to thank that thing. Right? Have you guys heard this idea? Like, I mean, it's become a verb to Marie Kondo things, you know, but this idea of thanking, thanking something for the role it's played, for its usefulness, for its purpleness, for what it's contributed. So, even something, so it's not something you're, you're hanging on to that you're like, oh, I love this book. It's really great. I read it all the time. It's a book that you're actually saying, I appreciate what this book contributed when I read it and the role it played in my life, and I'm now moving it on. So it's celebrating the giving of something. It's celebrating the, the loss of that particular item. Dave talked last week about a wake. A wake. So this, this idea in some cultures where essentially as part of the, uh, you know, the funeral and the memorials is, is a big party. It's really, there's no, no way of saying it. Other than that. It's a big party. And, um, and I think for those of us who don't come from that culture, we struggle with, like, how can you have a big party when you're grieving and someone's passed away? But it's actually part of the process. It's, it's celebrating. And so in this case, it's celebrating the person. And it's celebrating with one another. It's celebrating life 
that we have, even as fragile as that is at the moment. Um, it's celebrating the good aspects of someone or something that maybe wasn't entirely good. And I think, in a way, we do that with these other kinds of things. So maybe I've lost an opportunity. And it's finding the way to celebrate what existed in that opportunity, even though it no longer is going to go forward with me. It's hard to celebrate things that are in our past, you know, or we're moving away from. It's the opportunity to say a blessing. Say a blessing to something that we may not even be fully reconciled with. It's finding the good. Sometimes we're just celebrating that we've made it through <laughs> that thing. <laughs> and I know many of us, we go through a really difficult time, and we get through it, and we just celebrate the fact that we're done with that now. I think that's okay, too. It's acknowledging that that thing happened, and we've come out the other side. And perhaps more than any of the other steps, it's an opportunity for us to draw other people into the process with us. Because if you want to celebrate, I will always join you. <laughs> and I think most of our friends will. And, and in a way, they don't have to enter into all of the pain of our loss, but they can enter into the process with us as we are moving forward. And so interestingly, in this Exodus passage, right there in the beginning, in verse 2, God says, this month, so this month when we're celebrating what happened, is to be for you the first month of your year. He basically says, you're redefining all of your reality. Your entire calendar is based on this event. Can you imagine? You know, like they, it's like all of time now begins in your history right now from this moment. Life and society, everything is new. So they found a way to celebrate kind of this giant moment. It was both bad and ultimately good for them. So we celebrate. And then lastly, we remember. And what I mean by that is that the ongoing remembrance of, of a loss. So it could be pulling back out that photo or looking back in our journal. I don't know how many of you look back, look back in your journals, you know. Um, you don't go, you're not going back to that time, but you're remembering that time, which really creates a lot of space for our ongoing healing. Or maybe it's lighting a candle, you know, lighting a candle on that particular day. These are the hard things, I think, for many of us to, you know, you carry on. Uh, culturally, we have holidays sometimes that, you know, we have, we have, in this country, we have holidays that commemorate negative events from history, you know? Or um, many of you may be aware that we're now going into the week where in Rwanda, they will commemorate the genocide. So every year, they have a week-long commemoration of what could arguably be considered the worst event in the country's history because they want to remember. They don't want to relive it, you know, <laughs> but it's important to remember that that happened for a lot of different reasons. And here, you know, God says, you're going to have this, 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 this celebration, this feast of unleavened bread that you're going to do every year. And then part of that is this Passover celebration. Every year, forever, he says. He says, do this. When you move, do this forever. Wherever you live, do this forever. And you and I probably mo are aware of the fact that most observant Jewish people, no matter where they live, 
Every year, we'll celebrate this. Every year. It's that important. We at St. Peter's have our Remembrance Day to remember specific events of the past, but also to bring, to remember, remember losses that we've experienced in the year, in the past, things that, so it's a, it's a, it's a yearly opportunity to remember. And, and ultimately, um, the Eucharist, communion, is remembering Jesus' death. I mean, obviously, we're aware of the fact that there was the resurrection and all the implications of that, but the act of communion that we take remembers the death part of it, which I think is so important in this time of year. So, I mean, here, I mean, and this is the time of year, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's this time of year, you know, um, Jesus dying on the cross this time of year. So... I'll kind of leave it with that. I think these things, I mean, these are all like really pragmatic. I, I generally not, I'm more of a conceptual person. So I really wanted to say, what are things that we can do to help us? Um, and so that's what these have been. And I think what these things can do, um, grieving and naming and celebrating and remembering, I think ultimately they create space for God to work. I mean, we're doing things, but we're, giving, we're doing things that give God room to work as well. So, so there's this idea of catharsis, you know, that like when we get out something that's really bad and negative, it creates space for, for goodness and healing, right? But we have to actually get out this hard thing. Um, and I, I think it helps us um, make sense sometimes of what's happened. I think often we go through life and we don't really think much about what's going on. And so all, kind of these steps help us just pay a little bit of attention. It puts loss, perhaps, in perspective. Uh, as I said before, this thing doesn't define me. It doesn't define you. It's important. It's significant. It happened. It matters. It has effects. But it's not the only thing. It's not the only part of the story. It's not all that I am or you are. It helps us remember a part of our life. And we don't have to pretend it didn't happen. I think that's what many of us, that's our default. I would just pretend like it happened and ignore it. You know? But it's still there then, whether we say it or not. And I think it's often part of the process that God uses to help set us free. Because things, by doing these things, are brought into the light. So we are paying attention to them, but we're also then bringing them to God. God, this is really hard. God, this, this person hurt, I feel hurt by this person. So it, it, it just puts it, puts it out there for us and for God to look at together. And so it can help us live differently, I think. That's a process that happens in different ways, at different lengths of time. Um, you know, these things don't just magically go away <laughs> because we've thought about them, you know. Um, and I think ultimately it also helps us see where we've come to. Because when we, when we look back at something or someone or we remember it, we can see that I'm, I'm not there now. You know? Or maybe I'm, I've, I've gone and come back or whatever, but it kind of helps us see where we are in relationship to that thing. So it gives us kind of an eyesight on um, 
where this thing is in relation to us. So um, we're just going to give a little piece of paper which basically just says these things that we, we talked about. And it kind of just says, are you, is there one of these kinds of things that you're experiencing? Or maybe you experience that you haven't really thought much about. And um, just to get you to begin to think about it and begin the process. So I would imagine that you're not going to sit here and um, you know, do all these steps that we talked about. You know, grieve and, and name it and, and remember it. I mean, you're not going to do all those right now. Um, but it's just a little thing so that you can begin to think about it. Maybe one of these things would be helpful. Maybe you realize, I haven't really grieved that, that thing. Or you realize, I actually haven't really made much attention to it. So, um, yeah. So just use this to give you an idea of where in the process you think would be helpful for you. And um, I know Dave's going to put on some music. Also use that as an opportunity to begin to, to pray about it. Um, some of these things require a long time to work through. Some of these require a, a friend or someone else to help us. Um, I don't know. It depends on what they are. But um, we want to just give the opportunity now to begin to think about that before we move to the close of the service. So Dave's passing out papers with the questions, and there's some pins coming around.